been a very rough month for Toronto FC fans so it only seems right that it ends with the biggest gut punch of them all. Sebastian Javinko has been transferred by Toronto FC to Al-Hilal in the Saudi Arabian League. You are listening to the Footy Talks podcast. My name is Mitchell Tierney and ahead on the show we will discuss the reaction and fallout from the atomic exit and more Toronto FC and Canadian Premier League news. Joining me on the show to help break down all of this is Rudy Schuler of Sporting News and host of Canada FC on Sirius XM Canada Talks. Rudy, thanks for taking the time during a really busy news stretch uh, for Toronto FC right now. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I, I like the uh, I like the what you call it the atomic exit. That's uh, something, something smart there. I never heard that before. So that's that's uh, a very good branding kind of exercise you made there. <laughs> yeah, I guess I. Uh, I brought one thing, <laughs> uh, one thing new to this uh, Sebastian Javinko discussion, and it's that. So, um, I don't think there's any surprise, though. That's where we will start this week's show. Uh, late last night, it was announced that Javinko had been transferred to Al Hilal in the Saudi Arabian League for a transfer fee reportedly between two and three million per Christian Jack of TSN. Uh, it was a saga that's basically been playing out for a full year now since uh, Seba made it pretty clear. Um, you know, during last year's Champions League campaign, that he uh, was not happy with the way contract negotiations were going, uh, with uh, only two years remaining on his contract. Now, with only one year remaining on his contract, um, he has departed the club. Uh, what's kind of your your initial thoughts on on the situation, how it played out, and uh, obviously how it's now uh, concluded in some ways? Well, I mean, it's 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 kind of strange because, as you mentioned, it's been going on for a year, but it also kind of came out of the blue. Right, <laughs> mm-hmm. like those two things are both true, um, especially obviously the the specific club that he went to that kind of came out of the blue last week, and uh, it was kind of written off by a, a lot of people as as bluster by the agent and 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 you know it's not going to happen. And we saw last year was it last year I think that uh, Javinko had uh, had interest from Barcelona, so I think mm-hmm. some people were thinking that maybe that that's the the caliber of club he was going to go to. Uh, if he left uh, before the end of his contract that was up at, at TSC. Um, so there was a lot of uh, kind of, w- w- as with every kind of transfer saga, especially at this time of year, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there and, and, and the agents trying to do their thing to the press and, and the club trying to do their thing to the press. And you kind of have to filter through the noise to try to, to, try to get to the truth. Um, the truth was that Sebastian Jovingo was not happy with the fact that TFC was very reluctant to renew his uh, contract uh, under the terms that they had. Uh, there was a, a mutual uh, option for 2020 past this year, so mm-hmm. I believe at the same uh, at the same rate that he was getting, so over seven million US dollars a year. So that would have put him through to the end of 2020. Um, TFC told him very early on in the game that they're not going to do that because they don't see him as a seven million dollar player anymore. Uh, maybe they didn't say those words, but that was the implication. Um, you know, it's it's kind of been an open secret that MLSC is looking to cut costs with TFC because they've been spending like madmen basically since uh, you know the bloody big deal uh, back you know at the beginning of 2014 when, when Defoe and Bradley were brought in and and uh, Gilberto as well. Um, they've been spending way above what they've been pulling in in terms of revenue, and uh, at some point you know the the, 
you have to kind of rein things back in uh, as a business. And, and MLSE has been telling Bill Manning and those below him to, to start ring, cutting and ringing the costs a little bit. So um, the easiest way to do that is to cut costs on your three biggest expenditures, which is, you know, the, your three DPs. Now, Chavinko is the most expensive of those. And um, to be able to just say, well, we're not going to, we're not going to uh, renew your option, you know, the mutual option 2020, Let's uh, let's make it another deal. Uh, you know, I think he was a little bit off put by that uh, because he is beloved by the fans in Toronto. Um, I think the club has nothing but you know respect for him. But the business side, you know, it always drives a wedge at this time of uh, a player's career. Not always, but a lot of the times, it, it drives a wedge at this time of a player's career between a player who's kind of on the downside and it's hard to say he's on the downside but he is definitely on the downside uh, compared to what he was in 2015 but he's still an extremely good player uh, and, and you know a club that is looking to maybe if not go completely in a different direction but maybe not build around him anymore you know maybe go in a different direction in terms of getting younger not have him be the star attraction maybe you know he's a supporting piece whatever the case may be it wasn't going to be about Sebastian Jovinko being the highest paid player on Toronto FC and in the league, really. Uh, so um, the, the saga to me, it, it, it's 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 a weird. It's just it almost shows that uh, that MLS and TFC and MLS have, have kind of made it in terms of of <laughs> you know joining the big boys in, in the transfer world. Uh, you know they did they did so a few years ago when they brought Defoe over, and of course when they brought Jovinko over the, the following year. But outgoing transfers and, and, and losing club legends and stuff like that, that was the next shoe to drop, right? And um, it, you know, I know it hurts for a lot of fans, but the business side of this can be really cold sometimes. And I think both both sides, both the player and, and his agent and and uh, the club, uh, they both made they both made some cold, hard decisions, business decisions um, that you know had their own best interest at heart. You know, Jovinko reportedly gets eleven point five million dollars a year from this new club for the next three years. That's, that's massive for him and his family and what's probably going to be his, his last big payday. And uh, the club, you know, um, they don't have to have a, a protracted transfer saga with, with uh, their, their star player anymore, you know, so it's, they get to cut the cost. I'm sure they didn't want to fully cut the, the cord with uh, Jovinko. I'm sure they wanted to bring him back at a lower number. I, I, I am fully uh, on board with the fact that they are genuine about that. Uh, but they didn't want to do it at, at, at you know the seven millions or even more that that uh, Jovinko and his camp wanted. So um, to me, it was a logical conclusion. But like I said off the top, it's a strange kind of drawn out thing that also felt drawn out, but also out of the blue at the same time. Because uh, you know he he started training camp and he uh, uh, by all accounts everything was okay, and then all of a sudden, boom, this just happened, and and and, and then all of a sudden it, it that happened really quickly. And it, you know, who who announces a transfer at, at ten o'clock at night? So <laughs> that's that's that you know, it just shows the unique kind of situation all all around in this in this whole thing. Yeah, definitely uh, speaks to something that probably didn't go quite as as planned for Toronto FC in the way that mm-hmm. it, it all played out. And as you mentioned, it has been you know such a a selling summer for MLS, and in that sense, kind of a, a sign of the growth of the league. Obviously, Miguel Almiron just going to Newcastle is is kind of the headliner, but a ton of top players have left the league this summer and for a lot of transfer fees. And you know, if you're a, a, kind of like you you alluded to, if you're a higher up at MLSE and you see that Toronto FC, the way they've kind of been 
been you know almost writing blank checks for management in recent years and basically every issue there was with the club they would just uh you know spend a lot of money to bring in in a top player from other leagues and you look at other clubs around the league who one are spending way less money on their players even like atlanta united and the new york red bulls who set you know a points record and and won mls cup um this past season they're they're obviously spending a a ton less money and they're building from within and those very same clubs are you know buying players at a at a low rate or developing players and then selling them on for transfer profits so uh obviously i think that that might be the uh the way forward for toronto fc and the way they're kind of positioning themselves now and you know signing a sebastian javinko type player for seven million dollars again at age 32 you know that kind of loyalty contract doesn't really work in a in a salary cap league or or in a league um you know for a team that's that's kind of as you said trying to save money yeah, and uh, I will say that I, I do think that Atlanta, um, with their the way they're they're doing it, is uh, they're obviously they're they're spending low on salaries, r- relatively low versus mm-hmm. uh, TFC, of course. Uh, but the overall net spend may be more, just because of the the, the, the massive transfer fees they've been selling, they they've been paying. But of course, the flip side of that is that if you go buy a young player, he does well. You flip him for you know twenty seven million dollars, like Miguel Amiron was just done for. You know they 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 got him for eight. They flipped it for twenty-seven, so that's just great business, right? <laughs> Not bad. Uh, yeah, but then and then what do they immediately do? Uh, well, they did it before uh, he even he even left, but they, they knew he was leaving, or they had a good good idea he was leaving. They spent twenty million dollars on PT Martinez, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of one of these things where they are spending a ton of money as well, but they're spending it in different ways, and maybe that's the future for TFC because they still have the financial might to compete with. Uh, you know Atlanta United and Seattle Sounders and NYCFCs of the world, but they also have a thriving academy and, and a big player pool here that they can also kind of do what the New York Red Bulls are doing. And, and there's no there's no coincidence there. And I think that uh, with with Ali Curtis coming in, uh, and that there's a lot of uh, a lot of emphasis on the academy as well because you know you could sell a player like Tyler Adams. To, to, to Red Bull Leipzig. I know there's a lot of synergy there because they're both Red Bull, but that's just an example. Um, it, it, there's a lot of ter- talented Toronto uh, players in, 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 the, in the area, um, and I think they're being underserved. And I honestly think that a TFC Academy has, I wouldn't say outright failed in that regard, but they've definitely missed the boat in terms of developing young players and, and, and selling them on for a fee. And I think that that's something that Ali Curtis knows how to do. And I think that's one of the mandates that he was brought in to do. I don't think that TFC is going to fall down to the spending levels of a New York Red Bulls just because I don't think the market will allow it. Uh, you know, TFC fans have kind of grown used to the fact that Toronto FC is one of the highest spending clubs in the league and it always has been since day one. Um, but uh, I don't think that uh, they don't want to, I don't think the club wants to go crazy like i mentioned before with the with the spending and and, and the upfront spending in, in, in salaries especially when there's this, this unique and, and new kind of exciting avenue they have where they can they can develop younger players and sell them on both from the transfer market in in the atlanta mold and also from the you know the uh, the academy mold that that new york red bulls seem to have perfected in, 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 over the last five years or so so uh it's going to be very interesting to see what steps they take next uh, you know, there's rumors of, of players coming in. They have to, obviously, they have to buy because there's a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. But in the next six months to a year, uh, what the club is going to look like, because I think it's going to look like a very, very different club uh, than what we've known, what we've known over the past five years. Yeah, for sure. And again, if they're looking 
you know, kind of laterally throughout the league and they look over at Vancouver and the fact that they were able to sell Alfonso Davies, you know, a young mm-hmm. Canadian player for that much money. Um, in theory, Toronto FC should really have access to, you know, a lot of the best Canadian players because they are yep. around that region and, and should be in their academy system. So there hasn't, uh, again, there hasn't really been a pathway to the to the top team uh, for those players as, as, again, Toronto FC have kind of splashed money on, on any issue they've had instead of trying to develop from within. So, yeah, that's going to be very central, I think, to to the next uh, you know iteration of this club, as you mentioned. But uh, before we finish up on on you know Sebastian Javinko, any any time a big player like this leaves the club, of course the the legacy discussion comes into play, and um, evidently th- you know the ending here is is definitely not a fairy tale ending uh, in the way that. Um, you know, even with the Instagram post that Sebastian Javinko put out and some of his comments about, uh, you know, how he feels about the exit, uh, just to read a, a quote, because uh, this part is certainly the one that's that's getting the most play. Uh, quote, for two years, I have been seeking to extend my contract. However, management was reluctant. Recently, after refusing to exercise the club option for 2020, I was offered terms that I deemed unacceptable. They may say I left for a more lucrative deal, but this is not the case. Their offer and lack of transparency is a clear message. It seems management prefers to focus on things other than the pure desire to win. End quote. Uh, Bill Manning, of course, uh, since firing back and you know saying basically that this was a player that uh, didn't get his way, so he was lashing out, and that Toronto basically weren't pay- willing to uh, pay the exact same money for an aging player. Um, so the deal didn't get done. Um, you know, how does this kind of affect? Because obviously I don't think there's any doubt that Sebastian Javinko, um, other than being obviously one of the best MLS players of all time, is the best player to ever play for Toronto FC and uh, won them their first MLS Cup. So I think long-term that's what kind of gets remembered, but definitely, you know, not a good look on on his way out here for either club or, or player. Yeah, no, you're right. I have to agree with that. It's not really a good look. Um, I do feel that the agent uh, had a lot to do with that. If you read that Instagram post, there's no way. I, there's absolutely no way that Javinko wrote that on his own. No. <laughs> uh, it's it's very, it's uh, you know, he, of course, he's a very eloquent guy, but it's, it's very um, full of agent speak. Mm-hmm. Talk about, you know, growing the brand and, and, and it's, it's full of PR speak, I should say. And, uh, you know, if you've been kind of subjected to PR, uh, press releases and, and PR people um, that's the way they they talk it's 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 a very almost like a corporate kind of speak as well um, that's not how players talk that's not how players write and if you look through his Instagram that's not how how he's ever written before so yeah uh, it's clearly been he's clearly been aided by his agent um, maybe he should have reined it in a little bit uh, I'm sure you know there's, there's hurt feelings there he, he, you know he, he's a very passionate guy arguably the most passionate player that has ever suited up for TFC. You know, you always saw he kind of left everything out of the field and sometimes to, to the detriment of his own <laughs> himself, where he got himself in trouble a little bit uh, when he, he got angry at himself and his teammates and whatnot. But overall, um, love the club, love the city, and maybe he felt spurned, you know, spurned by the fact that TFC wasn't giving him what he thought he deserved. And uh, of course, Bill Manning is going to defend the club. That's what he's paid to do. So I think this is just, in a, a case of uh, both sides doing what they feel is right for themselves um, but I do feel that time will heal that wound it, it's, it's, it, it feels bad for both sides right now um, but you know the, the previous best ever player that ever, had ever played for TFC also had a, a very public spat with the, with the management and, and the ownership and for, for not being paid enough right 
Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Dwayne DiRosario, of course. Uh, it was the same thing. And a couple of years later, he comes back and he has this kind of farewell tour with, with TFC in, in 2014. And now he's a permanent ambassador for the club. And, uh, you know, we always see him around BMO and, and, and doing things around the, the GTA on behalf of the club. So uh, I, I'm sure time could heal that wound. Right now, it, it feels uh, it's, it's very fresh, of course, and it, it feels bad for both sides. But uh, I'm sure Sebastian Jubingo would be fine with his $11.5 million a year, <laughs> you know, playing in a, in, a, in a league where he doesn't have to travel as much and, and doesn't worry about the, you know, uh, all the little things that make MLS different, you know, the, the different field surfaces and the, mm-hmm. the time zone changes and all that, that kind of thing. It's a much smaller country you have to play in. Uh, and, you know, the club now has an open DP spot and doesn't have to spend $7 million a year on a player that they don't necessarily value at that anymore, at that, that rate anymore. So uh, they both walked away with something, um, but they also both walked away feeling a little bit hurt. So I think this is kind of natural. Yeah, I'm kind of sad we missed out on a Sebastian Jovinko check signing celebration <laughs> before he <laughs> before he was able to leave. But um, as you mentioned, it does now open up a designated player spot, and that's kind of the the next question that's obviously on everyone's mind. Considering you know they now have a ton of room to work with, and probably not a lot of time to do it in either. Um, Ivis Galarsep of of SBI Soccer is linking Sofian Hani to uh, Toronto FC, yeah. who's a 28 year old attacking midfielder from Spartak Moscow. Um, Christian Jack has said that this is a player that Toronto FC is looking at, but he's also uh, reported that they're close to signing another player uh, he describes as being in his prime who, who's playing in Europe. So um, there's a couple of, of options it sounds like Toronto FC is looking at. Um, what, what are some of the boxes that you think need to be ticked here in terms of a designated player? Because, um, look, I mean, the fan base is, is probably not overly happy right now, and uh, this next move is, is probably going to go a long way towards you know, kind of determining the way Ali Curtis and the front office is judged because obviously it's, uh, you know, they, they just sold the best player in franchise history and, and the replacement's going to be uh, heavily judged either way. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for both Ali Curtis and whoever ends up signing uh, to fill that DC spot. <laughs> if it's uh, the the guy you just mentioned, Sofian, what's his name? Sofian, I can't say his Hani, name now. yeah. Sofian Hani, yeah, sorry. I was going to say Hanan, but I just looked no up. Hani, <laughs> Sofian Hani. Um, whether it's him, whether it's somebody else, you know, it's not going to be Sebastian Juvenko. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that the player they bring in will be bad or not good enough to, to fill the spot. Um, but the, the bar has been set extremely high. You know, yeah. uh, This is a club, obviously, that has struggled up until basically Juvenko walked through the doors, and he was a big part of the reason why they didn't struggle for the you know the following four years until last year when injuries were a thing but uh, he's beloved he's a club legend uh, I'm sure he'll have his jersey if not his number then whatever he'll have some kind of retirement ceremony after his uh, playing days are over um, so it's an unenviable kind of position that both Ali Curtis and the next designated player uh, whether it's Hattie or someone else are, are in because Ali Curtis walks into this position where the team kind of looks set. It just looks like it needs a couple of tweaks. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Victor Vasquez is out the door. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Jovinka wants to leave. And, and Vanderweel gets into it with, with Greg Vanny. And, 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 you know, all of a sudden, those three veterans, three starters you're looking at, uh, three very influential players yeah. that you have to, uh, you have to replace. Um, if uh, Sophie and Hani can, can replace, or anybody, really, 
can replace uh, anywhere near the kind of production that Jovinko and or Vasquez, depending on who they, what they do with the TAM money they still have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think fans will take to them right away. You know, uh, it, it it really matters what they do on the field. Of course, it's going to be there's going to be a, a ton of pressure on the new players that come in, uh, the DP and, and and whoever they sign on TAM deals to replace both Jovinko and Vasquez, and, and to a lesser extent Vander Real. Um, but if they can get it done on the field, I think all is forgotten very fast, you know, very quickly. Um, but if they struggle at the gate, then yeah, you're going to hear some rumblings, and you're going, to, you know, you're already hearing some rumblings if you read the Twitter, you know, the half Twitter TFC Live hashtag or the TFC yeah. the hashtag. There's <laughs> a lot of unhappy right people out there. <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's going to be a lot of eyes looking to see, and, and some people are going to. There's always that one element of of of, of the fan base and of of society in general that, that is looking for the next guy to fail so mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be that element too and they're going to be make themselves loud so uh, it's it's going to be tough I'm sure that uh, the club knows that the club I'm sure is, is prepping whatever players they bring in they will make them aware of that as well um, but all you can do is, is hope that they get that they hit on, on any of their targets right and, and they, they they come in and they, they do a job because otherwise it's gonna, <laughs> it could be an ugly next few months for the club and, and the fan base for sure. Yeah, not an easy league to transition in either. I mean, even a guy like Victor Vasquez, it, it took him, you know, maybe even a month or so to, to get up to speed with MLS. And mm-hmm. um, obviously they do have this CONCACAF Champions League campaign that they have to go into right out of the gates as well. And that's, I mean, there's no way this doesn't majorly hurt that in terms of, you know, oh, yeah. one of the things I was looking for this off season was was the ability to make signings a little bit earlier on in the off season, so that they could get players, you know, more acquainted with the team. We saw Agra Keche come in basically, you know, as the team was starting the the Champions League campaign, and he for for multiple reasons, but it probably didn't help that he was brought in so late in terms of his integration to the team for that campaign. Um, Laurent Simon was signed early on, so they were good with that one. But I mean, any player coming in now instantly gets put into uh, a very difficult competition. And obviously they have uh, a lighter first round that they, than they've had last year and, and probably a lighter path. But that competition right away is, is going to be very difficult, extra difficult for the club now that, um, you know, they, there's so much up in the air in terms of the transfer, um, you know, the transfer season here. And yeah, that's exactly it because we're less than three weeks out. Mm-hmm. We're less than three weeks out from that first kickoff uh, against Independiente of Panama. So um, I do feel that the club feels that as the club as they are uh, constructed right now, they feel that they could probably handle them. Uh, you know, <laughs> barring any other departures or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it, like you said, it's it's all about getting new players integrated. There there have to be new players coming in. It's just the way it is. It, you know, I, I don't think either of us think that they're they're just going to sit there and, and, and this is the roster. No, there have to be players coming in. Mm-hmm. They're going to fill up their, that, that DP spot. They're going to spend the extra tan money that they have from, uh, from Vasquez and sale. Um, but as you mentioned, it, it takes a while to get adjusted. Not everybody could just jump into fray. And ironically enough, though, one of the few players that did jump in and, and do well right away was Sebastian Jovinko. So yeah. uh, that's another kind of bar that the, these new players have to set have to have to meet. So, um, you know the, the CCL is a gift and a curse, and it was last year as well, in that it, it, it you know it provides another competition and a, for a trophy right away, but it also uh, provides a lot of pressure on the club right away to succeed um, because 
you know, that's that's obviously something that they wanted to win, and, and they came oh so close last year. Mm-hmm. They feel that they can compete for it again this year, but they're going to have to uh, gel really quickly. And, and I don't know if they have the time anymore. Uh, even if they sign someone tomorrow, you know, that's still, you know, two and a half weeks before the first kickoff. And that's not enough time no. to really uh, to really make a kind of a, a you know get all the chemistry going. And that takes months sometimes. So hopefully they can get someone who can hit the ground running as, as much as possible, or I'd say at least two or three people that can do that. Um, and they can rely on their core that has been together for a number of years to uh, to kind of get them through that first round at least. Yeah, and it does appear they have made uh, one signing here, and that's the the signing of Terrence Boyd, who is a 27-year-old striker who plays for F, uh, SV Darmstadt in Bundesliga 2, 14 caps for the U.S. men's national team as well. Uh, the timing not not particularly great on this uh, on the, <laughs> this uh, signing coming out, considering it was like a couple hours after the Sebastian Javinko news broke. So, um, uh, I mean, it, this is a player who's definitely not brought in to be the replacement for Sebastian Javinko. It sounds more like he'll be in the you know Toe St. Ricketts uh, neighborhood of of salary. So. Uh, he could end up being a, a decent signing here. I mean, um, I guess basically to to provide some cover for Josie Altidore, which was uh, certainly something that the, the club was missing last season. Yeah, it, again, I even when I saw that report uh, from Stephen Goff last night, I quote tweeted it with the hashtag just timing. That was it because it it does suck for him. And it, yeah, it, it we, you know they've been we're talking to Boyd for a, a number of days now, even a couple of weeks. So. Obviously, this has nothing to do with Sebastian Juvenko. They just they have holes to fill, right? You know, because mm-hmm. uh, they did, have, weren't able to bring back Lucas Hansen, although apparently that's still a possibility. They lost Ricketts, as you mentioned, um, and now Juvenko. So they you know, they're they're the number of bodies up up top that can that can put balls in the back of the net are, are you know very very thin. Right now, they're looking at Josie Altador and uh, Jordan Hamilton and Iowa Canola, basically. Um, which you know the the two young guys, I'm sure they can they can uh, do a job, but they're not at the level, of course, of of the the two DPs, uh, the striker at all. So and, and or even even a Tosate Ricketts was very uh, very reliable for the first couple of seasons that he was with TFC. So mm-hmm. uh, Terrence Boyd will come in, and uh, he's kind of a, a reclamation project. He's pretty much what Tosate Ricketts was, but he's got a little bit more of an injury history. Uh, but it's a bit of a reclamation project. He's familiar with Michael Bradley and Josie Altador from their days together at the U.S. Men's National Team. Um, I'm sure the coaching staff is familiar with them as well. But it's, they're not, there's not a lot of expectation from him, uh, surrounding him. It's, it's just they need bodies. He's a guy who can do a job. Let's bring him in. And he, he's cheap. And if he, you know, he pops in seven, eight goals, all the better. But uh, you know, especially given that Josie Altador has been prone to a lot of injuries. And, and and Terrence Boyd is a big body that can fill in that role. Uh, you got to you got to bring in somebody. It just happened to be him, and it just happened to be it just happened to break at the same time that uh, Jovinko broke. And it's <laughs> again, it's, the timing wasn't that great, but I'm sure that a couple of weeks from now, no one really really care, especially if he starts scoring some goals. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it seems like a a basically like for like uh, backup for Josie I mean a striker who can score a lot of goals but gets injured a lot so um, it's a yeah. pretty perfect signing there um, let's let's move on to uh, just a bit of Canadian Premier League uh, uh, talk because they did obviously have a, a big unveil this week uh, their inaugural game will be played um, 
in Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field on April 27th at 1 p.m. Um, they also announced a sponsorship deal with Volkswagen. So uh, a couple of big announcements uh, for the league there. I mean, uh, before we get into maybe some of the, the more negative uh, points of, of, of this launch, um, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting to, to finally have that start date and to know when this league will, uh, will hit the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure, uh, like everybody else, we would have liked it to have come earlier, uh, mm-hmm. to know exactly when it was, but you know, it, it, it came when it came. So, uh, now there's a, a, an actual start date an actual start time and there's a definite finish line to when the, the league starts. Right. So, uh, you know, player announcements are great and, and, and I'm sure they're, they're going to do a kit reveal at some point. I, I heard early April, which seems really, really late, but anyway, yeah. um, and and all those other things, you know, that that come in time with with, with launching new teams and a new league all simultaneously, um, those are all great. But when it comes down to it, this is a soccer league. We want to know when teams are playing. We want to know who's playing who, and when. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel that uh, Hamilton, the Forge, were always going to be host to that opening game, just because of the influence that Bob Young had on the uh, on the creation of the league and 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 the continuing influence he has uh, on the league itself. So I actually thought it would be Hamilton. Uh, I keep calling Hamilton Forge hosting uh, Valor uh, Winnipeg from from Winnipeg, the other team that was uh, the uh, the founding you know of the two founding clubs mm-hmm. uh, before all the other ones, right? So I thought it would be that, but I guess they're they're saving that for something else. But uh, yeah, it was always going to be uh, in Hamilton, in my opinion. Uh, the fact that it's York it adds a nice little twist to it because uh, you know York Nine just announced last night at a at a, at a pub night that they're going to be sending all their season ticket holders for free to that game. So that's a good traveling support that they're going to have. The atmosphere should be good. Uh, and you always want to make a good first impression. For, you have literally one shot at this to make a good first impression of your, your first ever game. So you put it in one of your two biggest stadiums. You know, it's, it's Tim Hortons Field. It's, it's, it's known around the country as uh, the, the Ticats home stadium. It's a, it's a major league uh, facility. So it'll look good on, on television, wherever we're watching that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, yeah, so it, I feel that York also, uh, the way they're putting their team together, I think that the, well, well, the way both teams are putting their, uh, their, their rosters together, I think it'll look like, uh, it looks like it's going to be a good soccer game as well. I, I think those are their, if you look at the, the rosters, the way they're built right now, to me, in my opinion, they're the, the, the best two rosters on paper so far. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the way those teams have been built, uh, it promises to, uh, to, to have a good, uh, some good soccer, as well as a good atmosphere and a good kind of circus atmosphere and, 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 and all the, the fun things that go along with kicking off a league. So um, definitely, I think a good first impression is, is uh, what the league is going for here. And uh, now we can literally count down to that day at that 1 o'clock on Saturday, April 27th at Tim Hortons Field. Yeah, and of course, uh, leading into the the one thing that might be the issue for that first impression, and that's the fact that they will be directly competing with a Toronto FC game against, I believe, the Portland Timbers on that same afternoon. Um, I mean, obviously, this is something that's going to be happening throughout their time uh, as a league. They're going to be directly competing with MLS all the time. Uh, it's it's just going to happen. I mean, th- those are prime uh, playing times that, that both leagues have, but 
Uh, it, it just seems a little bit ridiculous to have your first game at the exact same time as the Toronto FC just because, um, I mean, I've already, you know, heard gripes from multiple media people who would love to be there at that inaugural Campiel game, but obviously uh, have obligations to cover Toronto FC. So um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, among the fans, obviously, which are, the, which are the main concern here, but both play definitely a factor into the way it's covered and the way, um, you know, how many people are in the seats. So, it just seems like a, a bit of a disappointing decision, and obviously this is a very difficult league to schedule when you look at all the venues and all the travel and that sort of thing. But um, this just seems just a little bit short-sighted from from the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, uh, the games aren't exactly at the same time. Uh, I believe that mm-hmm. the the TFC games at three p.m. that day. Um, so to me, it's too much of a coincidence that they just happen to be two hours apart. Um, I'm reading the tea leaves here, and I'm thinking that. The broadcaster, whoever that is, had a had a say in that, and either yeah. they want to have it if it's TSN, for instance, they want to have it as a lead-in, and if it's not TSN, then they want to have it um, not going completely opposite against them, but you know, kind of pulling them away from them as well. So, mm-hmm. um, as we know, as we well know, the broadcasters rule the roost when it comes to scheduling. So I, I have a feeling that there's that that was by design. We won't know until we know who exactly the broadcaster is. Um, but yeah, it does suck that some people have to make choices. Uh, it, it's it's tough, especially on the media side, because uh, obviously if you cover one game, you can't physically it cannot be at the other venue. Uh, you know, Hamilton and, and Toronto are forty five minutes apart in good traffic, but still, yeah. uh, it won't be good. You're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, first of all, there's never good traffic. Yeah, and secondly, uh, you know, getting out of I don't know if you've ever been to Terry Horton's Field. Getting out of that area is just a, a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> so you're not going to get out of that that. There's there's no zipping down the, the QEW uh, to get down to, to BMO Field. You're going to be stuck in, in traffic for a while in Hamilton and then probably both in, in going into Toronto as well. Um, so yeah, it, it forced it's going to force people to choose. Uh, I, I feel that the league is okay with that uh, in this instance because most people, I think most fans, if they have to choose, uh, will choose the historic first game versus uh, you know a, another regular season game against Portland like. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a run-of-mill thing that nobody really cares about in, in April. Um, if, if people are, are the choosing type, you know, the, of course there's going to be TFC fans that just stick with TFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be general soccer fans that, that are TFC fans that want to see the first ever game in this league. Um, so from that perspective, I think that the league is okay with that. Um, but yeah, it is unfortunate that they couldn't be separated a little bit more, maybe have one of them kick off at 7 o'clock. Well, the other one's at 3 o'clock. That gives you a lot of leeway to, to kind of make it down the 80-some-odd kilometers down the highway. But uh, that's just the way it is. It, it, it just is what it is. Like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of clashes. It's just there's only so many time slots on Saturdays when soccer games are made or played, right? So um, it just is what it is, unfortunately. But I do feel that this was not a mistake. I don't I don't know why it was a mistake, but I do feel it was it was done on purpose. It, and hopefully it's because that uh, they want to make a doubleheader on, on, on the same broadcaster. Uh, we'll see. Oh, yeah, you mentioned the the broadcaster. Um, there's definitely, and the kits as well, you mentioned, there's there's definitely a, a lot of things that have yet to be announced uh, about this league. What are some of those things you're, you're kind of most looking forward to to, to seeing as, as sort of the final pieces here uh, of the league come together? Well, the rest of the schedule. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, we, we know one game so far, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that everybody's going to play everybody multiple times because there's only seven teams in the league. So you can't, you know, it's not like an MLS thing where you 
Oh, you only see one opponent like from the West Coast. You only see them once a year. Uh, teams are going to play each other three, four times a year. So there's going to be a lot of familiarity there. Yeah. But I, I do want to know, you know, when Halifax is hosting its first game and, and, and when Valor are hosting their first game, that, those kind of things. And, and um, we're apparently getting those, uh, those fixtures next week, uh, according to uh, Kurt Larson uh, at the York Night event last night. Mm-hmm. Um, we're supposed to be getting those next week, and then the rest of the schedule in the days or weeks to come after that. So uh, I don't know why the league didn't do a, what MLS does, where they, they kind of announce all the home openers at once. Yeah. Maybe they wanted to put the spotlight on that one game, you know, because that is their, like I said, they're, it's, you only have one first ever game, right? So maybe that's what they want. They wanted to get, let that game breathe a little bit and let the hype build between those two close rivals now um, before they announce all the rest of them, uh, the rest of the home openers, I should say. Um but a part of me is saying, why not just release all at the same time? So it, it's it's one of those things where I think that I can see both sides of it. Uh, but I'm just eager to, to to see the rest of the schedule, uh, and also our uh, who the broadcasters are, so I know how I'm going to be watching these games when I'm not actually in attendance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, l- looking at that first game, uh, one of the things that you'll hear from from a lot of people about Toronto FC is how much that first game and that first game at BMO Field and the incredible atmosphere that happened there was j- was just so important to the club going forward and mm-hmm. how it shocked a lot of people. So yeah, if they can have something similar to kick off the Canadian Premier League, uh, I'd agree it's, it'd be an incredible accomplishment for the league and would really set the tone for um, you know proving a lot of the people who who don't think this league will necessarily work wrong. Um, before we uh, before we finish up here, just a couple of uh, of news and notes on, on Canadian players um, transfer wise. Uh, the big one today: Liam Miller has been loaned out to Kilmarnock, um, who are currently third in the Scottish Premier League. He also signed a long term contract with Liverpool, who is his uh, parent club right now. Uh, apparently, he's been or he was approached as well by uh, Porto and a couple of other Premier League clubs. Uh, so, uh, a player that, that has definitely caught the eyes of, of a lot of people with how well he's done with uh, some of Liverpool's youth teams. And uh, now we'll get a chance to play in a fully professional environment in uh, Scotland. That's a league that uh, Canadian men's national team fans will uh, be keeping a close eye on in the in the next couple months I believe as there's a lot of Canadians there right now mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know, Scott Arfield's there and, and mm-hmm. Dario Zanata's there and, and there's a couple others that I can't take off the top of my head now but you can Coutinho, add the ability to that yeah. list Coutinho, oh, Marcus Coutinho as well at Hearts yeah of course how did I remember Dario Zanata who owns <laughs> Hearts but <laughs> anyway um, but yeah so Liam Miller uh, I think it's good it's it's obviously it's not uh, you know it's not the English Premier League uh, but you know it's it's a step down in quality from the English Premier League, but it's it's a professional environment as you mentioned. Um, so maybe that's you know that's exactly the, the step he needs between uh, what he's playing right now, which is the the U23s of Liverpool, and and the first team at Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp is 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 that that intermediary step between the between the, you know the, the big time and 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 the, the not as quite big time. So um, it's good to see him move on. Um, for the rest of the year because, uh, you know, and sign and sign a longer deal at the same time, because it, it shows that Liverpool is still invested in him and they're still interested in his progress and they, mm-hmm. they still have to see a future for him. Uh, so it's not, you know, it's not a guy who's been cut loose after going to a big Academy. Like we've seen so many other Canadian players do. Uh, he's very definitely still a, a Liverpool player. Uh, they have high hopes for him and, 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 you know, hopefully he'll get some starts very soon with Kilmarnock and, and be able to show uh, what he does. And, and this kind of ties into what I was saying before with TFC is that he's a player that was uh, part 
or, or was trying to be part of the TFC Academy and, and got rejected for whatever reason. And yeah. now look at him, you know, and I think that's, that's part of, of, of the discussion we were having before is that I think that the, the Academy has been underserving the, the talent in Toronto. Uh, there's a lot of talent that comes through the Academy, not to, not to, uh, not to forget that, of course, mm-hmm. but um, there's definitely, they're definitely missing some. And then Liam Miller is a big case there. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping for him to do good things because, you know, he's already in John Herbert's plans. We, we've seen him play a number of times with Canada this year, or, or I guess last year in 2018. Um, and uh, he's one of the guys looking forward that uh, you can kind of build a team around alongside, you know, obviously Alfonso Davies and Balu Tabla and, and um, Jonathan David and the young, that young group, that young under 20 group that, uh, you know, you can see with the national team for the next 10 to 12 years. So uh, this is a great move, and, and hopefully it's, you know, the first of many for the for the young man because uh, he's got some talent. Yeah, and Hearts actually play uh, Kilmarnock tomorrow, apparently. So oh, wow. chance for uh, Godinho and uh, and Miller to go up against each other right away. Um, one other quick bit of uh, news. Uh, Toronto FC2 centre-back Rocco Romeo has been loaned out to HB Koje on uh, the Danish second division uh, club that it appears Toronto FC have some kind of partnership with, uh, so a decent move for for I think a player to to maybe get some other experiences in in terms of a professional situation. Um, so there's just a couple of bits of of transfer news for all of you. Um, we'll surely have a lot more on this podcast in in the weeks ahead as Toronto FC, uh, as Rudy said earlier, tries to fill some of these holes that uh, have now been created um, for them. Um, but we will bring this edition of the show to an end. Rudy, thanks for all the insight. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Well, thanks a lot. It was great being on. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week.